Good morning. It's a beautiful day outside. And you came in, the first thing that happened was you got complimented. Wasn't that nice? Max said we looked a little thin today. I, that's nice. Appreciate that. You, you, you look good. You do. That's good to see you. I'm glad to be uh, up here, get the chance to share the Word of God with you today. It's been a while. It's been like four weeks. It's kind of like I feel like I need to introduce myself again. But uh, looking forward to this. Um, what a privilege it is for us to gather now around God's Word. Let's, let's pray as we do that. Father, we pause now to acknowledge that we really do need to hear from you. And Lord, we can be distracted, we can be preoccupied, we can be self-satisfied, we can be stubborn. So Lord, I would ask that right now your Holy Spirit will make our hearts receptive to your truth. You would help our minds grasp what we need to understand. You would overcome whatever there is in our lives that would keep us from hearing you today. Speak to us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. So next week, next week we're going to be starting a new series. It's entitled, Not a Fan. And that's going to run for, well, it's a six-week series. We're going to stretch it over seven because we have a special Sunday in there to bid farewell to the Clodsons on June 28th. Um, But we're starting this new series, and that's going to consist of both Bible messages on Sunday and then a small group involvement during the week. And I'm just going to tell you right up front what my objective is for today's message. No suspense here. I'm just going to put it right out there. I want you to decide to participate in a a not-a-fan small group. And the reason that's my objective is not so I can say, hey, we had a really successful small groups program. And it's, and it's deeper even than just wanting you to get the most out of this upcoming series. My deeper reason is this. You and I need Christian friends that we connect with regularly in order to become the people God wants us to be, in order to live life the way he wants us to experience it. I want you to look with me at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open to Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, help yourself to the one that's in front of you there. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give that to you as our gift. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Let me kind of set the stage here a little bit. The author of Hebrews has been explaining how Jesus fulfilled all of the sacrifices, the rituals, the temple uh, ceremonies, and, and even the furniture of the temple, and the priesthood that were all part of the Old Covenant, the the Law of Moses, we often say. How Jesus fulfilled all those, and because of what Jesus has done, 
we are able to live the life God wants us to live, not by a bunch of rituals, but by having faith in Jesus Christ because of His death and His resurrection on our behalf and His fulfillment of all that God had established under the Old Covenant. So that's what he's been talking about, and now he's going to kind of move into a conclusion about that, about the life that we get to live. All right, so pick it up at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, or the holy of holies, and that's a, that's a temple terminology basically saying to enter into the very presence of God himself. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by his sacrifice, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, the veil that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Jesus, okay, here we go. Let us draw near to God with, uh, with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The day being the day of Jesus' return, the coming day of judgment. Now this is one of those places in the Bible where God lays out very clearly the priorities He wants us to be pursuing if we are believers in Jesus. And we can see several priorities here. One of those is the priority of worship. Let us draw near to God. Let us come boldly into His presence. Another uh, Another priority here is partnership with other believers in Jesus. Notice the little word us. You see it a lot. Let us draw near. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Almost all of the good things God wants us to do as believers in Jesus, He wants us to do in partnership with others. And that's why, if you didn't know, it's one of the main reasons God puts us into churches, so that we can do these good things together as partners in our faith. And then one other priority we see here is the priority of friendship. And just like partnership, this is woven throughout the passage with that little word, us, and it's especially emphasized in verses 24 and 25, which is where I'm going to land mainly. You might ask, well, what's the difference between partnership and friendship? It's really a matter of emphasis. Partnership tends to emphasize tasks, the things God wants us to do, helping each other do the tasks he wants us to do. Friendship, on the other hand, emphasizes the person. And this is helping each other become the people God wants us to become. God wants us to do both. He wants us to do the tasks he has for us, and he wants us to become the people he wants us to be. Our character, our heart, our, uh, our relationship with him. 
We need to become that. See, when we first become believers in Jesus, and if you're not yet a believer in Jesus, this is the wonderful thing that God wants for you. He wants you to experience this. When When we finally come to realize that Jesus is our only hope to be right with God, when we accept what he did for us on the cross as the only sufficient payment for our sin. When we put our trust in him to forgive us and give us eternal life as a free gift, when we say yes to Jesus, there are some amazing changes that happen to us right away. The Bible says that when we put our trust in Christ, we pass from death to life. That's a big change, from death to life. It says we move from being enemies of God to becoming His children. That's a huge change. We're told that God immediately forgives us, and He adopts us into His family and he indwells us with his Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians 1.13. In him, in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed, you put your trust in him. When you did that, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So there are massive changes that happen when we first Put our trust in Christ. And that is true whether you feel any different or not. It's just real. That's what God does. So these are massive things that happen right away. But without diminishing any of that or taking away anything from that, we do not instantly become everything that God wants us to be. And if you've taken that first step with Jesus, you know this by experience. You know, we know there's still a lot about us that needs to change. Um, and, and sometimes we can get frustrated with that, or we get impatient. We think, how, how, come I'm not, how come I'm not there yet? You know, actually, we should expect this. We should expect it because of how the Bible describes what happens to people when they first when they put their trust in Christ? The Bible describes it as a spiritual birth, right? First Peter one three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's amazing. Birth. Birth is amazing. If you've ever given birth, you know it's amazing. If you ever watched a birth, it's, it's just amazing. But birth isn't an end. It's a beginning. And if babies are healthy, what happens to them? They grow. It wasn't too long ago, uh, my, our, my family, was, we were in our house, and, and Karen was fixing dinner, and our three boys were... I don't know if they were helping or they were hungry, but they were they were lurking. They, they were lurking, and I just I just was amused to just stand there and look at my three sons absolutely towering over 
their mother. And the thought occurred to me, every single one of those boys came from her body. My head just kind of went, because <laughs> that's sure not how it looks today. All right. If babies are healthy, they grow and they become greater than, than what they are. They become what God wants them to be. Okay, well, that's exactly what the Bible says needs to happen to us spiritually. We need to grow. We need to become all that God wants us to be. 1 Peter 2, 2. Okay, so 1 Peter 1, it says, He's given us new birth. 1 Peter 2, 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. If you ever wonder what God's will for your life is, I wonder what God wants to happen to my life. This is it. Grow up. He wants you to grow up spiritually. He wants you to become more and more conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus. And right here in Hebrews 10, we see the kind of people that God wants us to become, that he he wants us to grow up into, okay? So he wants us to become sincere worshipers. Verse 22, drawing near to God with a sincere heart. He wants us to become people who are full of hope. Boy, especially in this world. Christians need to stand out as people with hope. We've got confidence in our future because of Jesus, holding unswervingly to the hope we profess. We, he wants us to become people who, do, who help others, who help each other do things that are good and loving. Spurring one another on to love and good deeds. Spurring is an interesting word. And he wants us to become people who are encouragers. Meeting together and encouraging one another, verse 25. All right, so here's the question. Here's the test. How do we become those kind of people? How do we become those kind of people? Here's a hint. Think about the words us, one another, and together. What do those words imply? They imply relationships. We need relationships to become the kind of people God wants us to be. But, more specifically, the question is, what kind of relationships do we need? Because there are a lot of different kinds of relationships, right? I mean, you get on Facebook, you and 6,000 of your closest friends. You know, just because you're friends on Facebook, what does that really mean? We've got relationships, everything from very casual acquaintances in the human experience, you know, to, to marriage, or, you know, here are total strangers, and these people are my BFFs, my best friends forever. So there's a lot of different kind of relationships. What kind of relationships do we need to become the people God wants us to be? Well, looking at this, it's pretty evident that casual acquaintances are not going to get the job done. It's not going to do it. We need more. Here's how I'm going to say it. To become the people... God wants us to be, we need close friends who are Christians who connect with us regularly. We need close friends who are Christians who connect with us regularly. Say that with me. Ready? Here we go. We need close friends who are Christians who connect with us regularly. Now, what I want to do is just break that statement down into three pieces 
and show you how it flows out of this passage, especially verses 24 and 25. First, we need close friends. Now, let me show you how this is emphasized here. Notice verse 24 where it says, let us consider. Now, normally, I do not make a big deal of what the original Greek text says. If you don't know, the New Testament was written mainly in a language called Koine Greek. Okay, and I don't usually talk about that much. And the reason I don't is because if you have a decent English translation, you know what the original Greek means. That's the whole point of having a translation. It tells you what it means in English. Um, but this is, this is one of a few places where there's something in the original that's just hard to bring over into good English. The word consider... Now, it's used one other time in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 3, verse 1, where it says this, Consider Jesus, or as the NIV puts it, fix your thoughts on Jesus. In other words, to consider Jesus means think about Him. Focus on Him. Study Him. Give him your close attention. Now, here in chapter 10, verse 24, we have the same kind of sentence, only here it actually says, consider one another. Consider one another. But it's hard to translate it that way, because if you do, it makes the rest of the sentence end up sounding pretty awkward in English. You end up something like this. Let us consider one another Unto the spurring of love and good deeds. Let us consider one another toward or unto the spurring of one another to love and good deeds. It's just hard to make it. It's good Greek, but it's not very good English. But here's the point I'm trying to make. What we're supposed to consider is one another. That's the point. We need to think about. We need to focus on, we need to study, we need to pay close attention to one another. We need to make it our goal, in other words, to get to know some people so well that we know how to spur them on toward love and good deeds. We need to get, the, get to know them at a level where we can actually help them become the people God wants us, God wants them to be, and they need to get to know us so they can help us become the people God wants us to be. Okay, well, see, that's not surface knowledge. That's not, sup- that's not superficial stuff. That's not shooting the breeze about the Seahawks. That was a great game, by the way. But that's, that's not what it's going to take. It, it This is not talking about the weather and what's on sale at Kohl's. This is dealing with stuff that's inside us. Like, what motivates us? What are our, what is our hope? Do we have hope? Are, are, Are we holding on to it? Is our worship sincere? Are we just kind of going through the motions? What really encourages us? How do you encourage someone unto love and good deeds if you don't know what encourages them? 
See, this is inside stuff, and we're not going to know this about most people because, let's be honest, there are some things we only share with people whom we have learned to trust. And that is what I mean by close friends. People we can trust with who we really are. Okay? People who know our, our joys and our, our dreams and our fears. People who have permission. You have to give people permission to ask you hard questions. People who have permission to ask us those hard questions and then give us either a pat on the back or a kick in the pants, depending on what we need. Or who just cry with us or laugh with us or whatever. Let me ask you, who is that in your life? Who is that in your life? Do you have those close friends? Because we need them. Okay. Second, we need close friends who are Christians. We need close friends who are Christians. This kind of friendship, the kind of friendship that helps us become the people God wants us to be, this is only going to work with people who share the same ultimate priorities. I mean, we're talking about worshiping God together. We're talking about a shared hope, having the same hope for the future. We're talking about pursuing love and good deeds together as God defines love and good deeds. Okay, in other words, these friendships have to be genuinely Christian. In other words, others who are genuinely believers in Jesus, if they're going to help us become what we need to become. We need to have that common commitment to Jesus as the absolute center of our lives. So if you're a believer in Jesus today, you need significant friendships with others who are believers in Jesus also. Now, it's fine. It's good. It's actually important to have friendships with people who aren't yet believers in Jesus because we need to get to know people and love them and share the good news of Jesus with them. But see, those relationships have limits because people who don't know Christ do not have the same ultimate values and priorities as people who do. And that's not saying anything derogatory or mean about them. It's just the way it is. This is why 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. And if you don't know what a yoke is, we're not talking about an egg here. A yoke, Y-O-K-E, all right? Kind of an old-fashioned piece of farm equipment that you use to harness two animals, two oxen or whatever together to plow a field. Why? Because the yoke directs them so they both go in the same direction. So don't be yoked with unbelievers means don't be so connected to unbelievers that you're going in the same direction they're going. Same priorities. Same values. This is not being judgmental. It's just realizing this. You can't get to where you need to go. You can't get to where God needs you to go if you're going with somebody who isn't going that way. Right? You can't get here if you're yoked together with someone who's going there. You just can't get there. Someone who's not following Jesus is really not in a position to help you become the person God wants you to be. 
So we need close friends who are Christians. And then third, we need close friends who are Christians who connect with us regularly. Verse 25 tells us how to do verse 24. Verse 24, let us consider one another so we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How do we do that? Verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. In other words, if we are going to help each other become people who do love and good deeds, we've got to get together. We've got to connect regularly, and we've got to encourage one another regularly. I think it's so interesting that that word encouraging is there, because we need that. We need regular encouragement from people who know us. It's got to be regular. We've got to connect. I find it really interesting, too, that this verse tells us not to give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. It is possible to develop a bad habit, the bad habit of not meeting together. For some reason, that's a temptation, to not get together with other Christians and share our lives together. Why is that a temptation for us? Why is, that, why is it so easy to not get together? Usually the answer is, well, we're busy. I just don't think that's a good answer. Because we always end up doing what we really want to do. Yeah, well, could be laziness, right? Because frankly, investing in relationships, that can be hard work. Cultivating that, caring about somebody else. It, building relationships can be hard work. It's a lot easier just to stay home and watch TV. Or, you know what? It could be fear. I'm not sure I really want other people to know who I really am. I don't want them to know how messed up I am. Or it could be pride. It could be, I don't need anybody's help to become the person God wants me to be. I don't need somebody to get inside my head. I don't need somebody to hold me accountable. I don't need somebody to challenge me. You know what? All I need is Jesus. Just me and Jesus. That's all I need. And man, that sounds so spiritual. There's only one problem with it. It's not true. It's not true. I don't care if some songs say it. All you need is Jesus. It's not true, because that's not the way Jesus set it up. Yeah, sure, there's one sense in which everything we need, Jesus provides, and he is certainly the number one need in our lives. And everything that we need ultimately comes from him. But it's just not true to say all I need is Jesus, just me and Jesus, that's enough. No, because Jesus made you to need, uh, for example, air, food, water, sleep, and relationships. He made you to need that. God says we need the habit of getting together with some Christian friends who encourage us and challenge us and provoke us to become the people he wants us to be. 
And this isn't going to happen in a large group gathering. It's not going to happen in a group this big. You know, big groups do some things very well. We can do worship in a big group very well. Because you don't really need to know people that well to worship with them. All we need is a common commitment to drawing near to God. You can worship with thousands of people. But big groups don't do close friendships very well. For that, you need a group that's small enough to where you can get to know each other at a deeper level and learn to trust each other. People you can consider. People you can learn to spur on toward love and good deeds. Because we need friends to become the people God wants us to be. And don't you want that? Don't you want that? Don't you want to become what God wants you to be? Don't you want to just get beyond where you are? Then please hear this carefully. And it's not because I say it, it's because of what Scripture says. There is no becoming what God wants us to become on our own. There is no becoming what God wants us to become on our own. If you're going to become the person God wants you to be, and if I'm going to become the person God wants me to be, then we must invest in significant friendships with other Jesus followers who help us become that. Let's, let's pray together right now. Father, you are gracious and you are loving and you are merciful and you are holy. Father, you love us just the way we are, but you are not content that we stay that way. You want us to grow up. You want us to become the people you want us to be. And Lord, so if anyone has yet to take that first step of becoming your child, of receiving your forgiveness and eternal life, may today be the day for that for them. And those of us who've taken that step, Lord, help us be willing to do what you say we need to do to grow. To read your word, to pray, to worship, but also to have the friendships, to cultivate the friendships we need to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Help us do it, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.